0: I'm Dr. AnimAction. Welcome once more to my animated 80s. It's been a pretty fun trip through the decade, and we're getting close to bringing it to a close. One more episode after this, and then I'll do my ranking and wrap up, and then it's off to the next adventure. As usual, like and subscribe if you love all things 80s, and now on with the video. So to recap last year, we had one of the largest lineups of the decade with 31 series released. The decade's trend of new versions of old classics continued, with several legacy characters making comebacks, and the the toys-with-no-storyline trend continued as well, with three more of those. The girls got a handful of shows, space westerns picked up steam, and cartoons became truly interactive for the first time. Most importantly for this channel, though, we get an absolute deluge of action shows, which includes what was probably the biggest and most important franchise to come out of the entire decade with TMNT. Overall, it wasn't really a year of anything new, but it was absolutely the year of going bigger. Okay, so what was hanging on from earlier in the decade? No change for 80 through 83, as they still had Smurfs from 81, and Elvin and the Chipmunks plus the Disney Channel shows from 83. That lineup remains through next year too. From 84, there was still Snorks, Muppet Babies, and Danger Mouse, and then from 85 we still had Jem, The Adventures of the Gummy Bears, CBS Story Break, The Fantastic World of Hanna Barbera, Thundercats, and The Raccoons. 1986 still had a handful of shows this year with Dennis the Menace, Foo Fur, Kissy Fur, Mysterious Cities of Gold, The Real Ghostbusters, and The Bugs Bunny and Tweety Show. And finally, we had a handful of 1987 shows hanging on as well, though relatively few considering the number of releases that year. They consisted of Brave Star, Lady Lovelylocks and the Pixie Tales, The Little Clowns of Happy Town, Little Wizards, Mighty Mouse The New Adventures, Saber Rider and the Star Sheriffs, ALF the Animated Series, DuckTales, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and the Woody Woodpecker Show. There were a couple of action shows on that list, but what did we lose? This unfortunately is another not insignificant list, and it's littered with one and done shows. We'll start our look a little further back though to 1984, as this was our first year since then without the Transformers. We also lost She-Ra, Princess of Power from 85, and both Johnny Quest and Spartacus in the Sun Beneath the Sea from 86. 1987 was where we took the biggest hit though, with Bionic 6, The Comic Strip, which in turn meant Tiger Sharks, Dino Saucers, Sky Commanders, Spiral Zone, Starcom the US Space Force, and Visionaries Knights of the Magical Light all getting the axe. The worst thing is that a bunch of those 87 shows never even got a fighting chance, with Starcom, Sky Commanders, and Visionaries each only getting a 13 episode run. That's a huge bummer for me personally, as I had a couple of favorites on that list. Maybe 1988 will offer something worthwhile to replace them though? Well, yes and no, as the year had some interesting new series, some interesting new trends, and some interesting new priorities. We got 21 new series this year, which was a marked decrease from 1987, and those shows varied wildly in theme and target audience. Either that or I'm holding a grudge about the 87 losses and taking it out on the analysis, but let's start the deep dive and see which it is. So there was a decently large event this year that I think may have had something of an impact on animation, so we'll get it out of the way first. At the very beginning of the year, on January 4th, Nickelodeon launched its preschool-targeted programming block, Nick Jr. I can't say for sure that other networks knew this was coming, but we got a handful of shows throughout the year targeted at the same younger age range. Firstly was Nick Jr.'s launch series, David the Gnome, which premiered the same day as The Block. It was a Spanish cartoon, which we didn't have any of yet, so that's noteworthy, that followed a gnome doctor and his wife as they traveled around the forest helping their neighbors and various animals. A few months later in April, Nick Jr. also began airing episodes of a UK cartoon from 1979 called Dr. Snuggles. The block also brought over a handful of other shows from Japan, like Adventures of Little Koala, Belle and Sebastian, The Adventures of the Little Prince, and Noozles. If you guys want, I guess I could do an episode on preschool shows, but I really don't want to dive into all of them here. Less than two weeks after the launch of Nick Jr., Disney added new shows to their lineup on Disney Channel as well that in my opinion were geared a bit younger. The Adventures of Winnie the Pooh took one of Disney's big-name characters and gave them their own made-for-TV series. It took all of the characters from the previous Winnie the Pooh animated film and gave them new adventures and expanded stories in the Hundred Acre Woods. And it took until the fall programming season, but CBS jumped into the younger audience arena with The Adventures of Raggedy Ann and Andy, who came to life and traveled to an alternate dimension to fight a villain called Cracklin when no one was around. It was based on the Raggedy Ann and Andy characters from 1918, though I guess that was probably pretty obvious. This year also had more than a couple of classic characters come back to airwaves, with Yogi Bear, Beanie and Cecil, Garfield, Superman, Charlie Brown, and Scooby-Doo all getting new series. We'll start with Beanie and Cecil, who I'd never heard of before researching this series, but who were apparently based on characters that originally aired in a puppet show from 1949. The characters first appeared in animated form in 1962, and this year was an effort to revive them. The show only aired for five episodes, though, as apparently the rights holders were difficult to work with. There's some interesting reading about it to be done if you want an intriguing story of how creative differences can completely bury a property. Yogi Bear, who had gotten a new series just a couple of years ago with Yogi's Treasure Hunt, got another one this year with the new Yogi Bear show. It only lasted for two months, but in that time managed to squeeze in 45 episodes, pretty much all of which followed the traditional Yogi formula. This year we also got another series about an overweight orange cat, but this time it actually wasn't Heathcliff. Instead, we got the first animated series for the 1976 comic strip character Garfield. The show split its time between focusing on the Garfield characters and their adventures, and characters from another comic strip called U.S. Acres that came out in 1986, also from Garfield's creator Jim Davis. Both parts followed a very comic strip formula of situational humor and hijinks in standalone episodes. Then, with the end of Super Friends a couple of years earlier, DC Comics needed a new presence on kids' television, and that came this year in the form of a new Superman cartoon. These were pretty traditional superman stories with him and his supporting cast from the comics i kind of consider this one a placeholder or stepping stone for the next big dc era of animation that was coming in the early 90s charlie brown returned to tv with a new series called this is america charlie brown which was actually an educational mini series with a charlie brown coat of paint each of the eight episodes put various peanuts characters in a series of historical settings where they experienced historical events it's pretty unique amongst peanuts animation as all of the adults actually had heads and didn't speak like muted trumpets lastly for classics in 1988 we got a new version and a whole new interpretation of scooby-doo in the form of a pup named scooby-doo now at first glance this seems like all of the other shows of the time that got the muppet baby's treatment but there was so much more to it this show had several new interpretations of the characters origins and personalities and if i'm being honest is my absolute favorite version of scooby-doo to this day It was such a fresh and clever take on these classic characters, and appealed to my 10-year-old sensibilities in a way that stuck with me. I highly recommend this show if you haven't seen it already, especially if you're a Scooby fan. Humor has always had a place in animation, and many series throughout its history have leaned heavily into the genre. For a large chunk in the middle of the 80s, though, it seems to have been on hiatus. I think Pee-Wee's Playhouse may have broken the dam that was holding it back, though, as it began to trickle back into the lineup this year, and would become a surge over the next couple. Of the shows I want to talk about here, one was based on a live-action character from sketch comedy show SCTV, and one was a comedic spinoff of an animated series from earlier in the decade. The Completely Mental Misadventures of Ed Grimley was an animated series based on the Martin Short character of the same name from his stint with the Second City comedy troupe. In a lot of ways, it's like what would have happened if the Pee-wee Herman character was smashed together with Mr. Bean, as it told various stories of the slapstick man-child Ed Grimley as he inevitably turned everyday activities into hijinks-fueled adventures. It built on the foundation set by Pee-wee's Playhouse and continued to prove how much a good joke could stand in for a good plot amongst animation fans. Not me, but, you know, other fans. The other comedy to highlight this year actually came as a result of the popularity of Danger Mouse, spinning off a side character from that show into their own series, and produced by the same British animation studio, though co-produced this time by Nickelodeon. We here in the US didn't have to wait for this one as it got a concurrent launch in both countries. Count Ducula was originally a recurring vampiric enemy for Danger Mouse, but in this version was the result of a botched resurrection by his servants that turned him into a vegetarian. The show primarily focused on the teleporting castle traveling to different places where Ducula would try to strike it rich, usually ending up with him confronted by a vampire hunter who didn't believe he wasn't a bloodsucker. It was just a silly goofball series with goofball characters, but it was pretty fun to watch. Oh, and Elf got a second series this year too, but instead of him on Melmac, as Elf the Animated Series had that covered and was still airing, this one applied the Elf characters and fairy tales concept. Not sure there's anything else to say about it, as it's exactly what it sounds like. So, moving on. There were a couple more movies that got the animated treatment this year, too, both of which were rated R. 1984's Police Academy and 1987's Robocop both got cartoon adaptations this year, and the source material for both was pretty wildly inappropriate for the age group they were directing the animation toward. Police Academy took the main characters from the original movie, and a few from Police Academy 2, and gave them a group of canine companions and a recurring roster of villains to go up against in a series of misadventures. For a movie that towed the line of essentially being an 80s sex comedy, it made a pretty great kids show. I'll be honest with y'all, I loved this show and thought it was absolutely hilarious, though I'd also seen the movie by that point, so there may have been some favoritism there. I'm still a pretty big fan of the franchise to this day. The other movie that saw an animated adaptation, though, was even less appropriate than Police Academy. Robocop was released this year as part of the Marvel Action Universe programming block. We'll come back to that later. And followed the adventures of our favorite cyborg cop as he protected old Detroit from various criminals. It had all the things kids love about an animated series, with a character experiencing an ongoing crisis of personality as he tries to reclaim his humanity, workplace prejudice, and even Middle East politics. I'm really not sure how this one ended up getting an animated version, as without the graphic violence, social satire, rampant drug abuse, and co-ed locker rooms, there's not much left of the original Robocop here. But he has a red dot in his visor, so maybe the company making it got him confused with Kit from Knight Rider. Oddly enough, though, this wasn't even the character's only animated adaptation. The Fantastic World of Hanna-Barbera added Fantastic Max to its 1988 lineup which was about a baby and his tinker toy robot going on adventures in space thanks to the magic powers of the plush toy alien FX. I, I, I really don't know what FX was, but one of those. I watched this show a bit way back then and remember some parts of it, but I have no idea what to say about it. They flew a baby bottle-shaped spaceship, had various adventures in one form or another, and had a baby constantly saying, Daddy, Daddy. and things went bad. Weird show. The other one I'm dropping into this category was about a dinosaur hatched from a petrified egg and adopted by a group of teenagers. The reason it defies classification is because this skateboarding, video game playing dinosaur is constantly being hidden from a concert promoter who wants to make money off of him. I guess the guy thought that's what bands like Metallica needed to really pull in the fans. A dinosaur that stood on stage with him. Eventually Denver gets sold to a scientist for experimentation because the scientist also thinks that Dino will make him famous. I don't know why everybody thinks a dinosaur will make them famous in some capacity, but anyway, he escapes and rejoins the teenagers. It's just... bizarre. And a lot to really dig into. Oh, and did I mention that Denver can time travel and take the teens back in time with him? Sure. Perfectly reasonable. I'll just leave the show right here and casually move on. Oh wait, wait, wait. There's another one to mention here. The Garbage Pail Kids. They were based off a series of... Trading cards? Stickers? Trading stickers? whatever. It was a series built on fart jokes and gross-out humor, but if you were a kid at the time, it was pretty huge. It's one of those things that defies explanation, but if you know, you know. Oh, and they also spoofed popular movies in the series. Check it out for yourself if you've got some decently morbid curiosity going. This one only aired outside of the U.S., but it was based on an American property, so I wanted to include it here. We'll finish this one off by looking at the action shows that I haven't already covered. Let's start with one I briefly mentioned earlier, the Marvel Action Universe. This programming block was an hour and a half long and consisted of Robocop for a third of that runtime, as well as reruns of several older Marvel animated properties like Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends, and Marvel co-production efforts like Defenders of the Universe and Dungeons and Dragons for another third. It's that final 30 minute chunk that I want to talk about here though, as it was filled by Dino Riders. This was a really cool show about two warring groups, the Valorians and the Rulons, fighting each other using weaponized dinosaurs. Was it practical? No, of course not. Both groups had access to advanced technology and could have thrown together some tanks or planes or something to fight each other with. Was it awesome, though? Hell yes, it was. What kid didn't love the idea of riding a Triceratops decked out with battle armor and laser weapons? Yeah, this one was absolutely there to sell the badass toys released the same year, but it also checked all the boxes for us kids of the time. Too bad it only ran 13 episodes, like some of those others I mentioned We also got a sequel to one of my all-time favorite animated series in Robotech 2, The Sentinels. Well, I mean, we kind of got a sequel. It was supposed to be a sequel, but what we really got was a three-part pilot that didn't get picked up as a series and instead was just rolled into a movie and kind of forgotten about. It did have some cool moments though, like the Invid invasion of the Robotech Masters homeworld, and it included characters from all three of the series' story arcs which helped tie them together even better than they were before. It's a shame we didn't get more, but I'm happy we got anything at all. And the last series I want to talk about in this section, and for the year as a whole, is Cops. This show followed the efforts of the central organization of police specialists as they tried to stop the criminal kingpin Big Boss and his minions from committing their various heists and schemes. The show was great, with a really wide assortment of characters and technology that was reminiscent of a crime-fighting version of G.I. Joe, which was appropriate as the designers even snuck a connection between the two into the toy line. It also had a fairly dark and mature supporting comic series that made watching the show feel like a much bigger deal. It also also had what I'd consider to be a significant first for cartoons of that period, as the leader of the good guys was a black character. Bulletproof wasn't the first character from an underrepresented segment of the population to appear in our cartoons, as there were several other non-white, non-male characters throughout the decade that had some pretty decently prominent roles, but he was the first to lead a cast like this, and I think that was a pretty big deal. So how many of these shows can you officially watch as of June 2023? Most of them, actually. There are a few series, like Dino Riders, The New Adventures of Beanie and Cecil, Robocop, The New Yogi Bear Show, and Fantastic Max that are kind of difficult to track down, with no official DVD releases or streaming. David the Gnome is also hard to find, with a ridiculously expensive out-of-print DVD set, and likewise with This is America, Charlie Brown, though those are way less pricey. Dr. Snuggles does have a fairly readily available DVD, though, but it's a UK-only release, so you'll have to have a region-free player to watch it. But beyond that, all of the others are available enough. We'll start with the streaming series, which includes Robotech 2 The Sentinels on Crunchyroll, and also on out-of-print DVDs, and The New Adventures of Winnie the Pooh on Disney+. We also have Elf Tells running on Prime Video. Everything else, including The Completely Mental Misadventures of Ed Grimley, Cops, Denver the Last Dinosaur, Garbage Pal Kids, Superman, The Adventures of Raggedy Ann and Andy, Count Ducula, Garfield and Friends, Police Academy, and A Pup Named Scooby-Doo can all be purchased at least partially on DVD. Some of these are also available on various streaming services out there too, so just give them a Google. And there you go, another year wrapped up. This one was a bit smaller and a bit less significant, especially from an action perspective, but there were a few gems in there. I especially like Cops from this year, and I love that the whole 65-episode series can be picked up for less than 6 bucks on Amazon. But what do all you think about the year? Have any strong feelings about anything that came out, or how it stacks up to the other years we've covered so far? Let me know in the comments. As usual, hit the like and subscribe if you love all things animated, and, well, no year restriction anymore, I guess. Just plain animated. Then subscribe if you haven't already. I'll see all of you when we wrap up the decade next video. Thanks for watching. Stay tuned and stay tuned, as in cartoon. Later.